Today is Pentecost, the day we celebrate the gift and the birth of the church. The lectionary is a series of readings that churches all around the world follow. And on Pentecost, every year, it gives us the same story. It's from Acts chapter 2. You can read along with me on page 1324 of your Pew Bible. It's page 1324, Acts chapter 2, and we'll begin in the first verse. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And when they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native language. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans? Every one of them. How then? Can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, and Cretans and Arabs, all of us, We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying they are full of new wine. (laughs) Peter stood with the other eleven apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you assume. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Rather, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions and your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The word of God for the people of God. We read that story every year, and it's a great story. But it is not the only story for Pentecost. The lectionary also gives us another story, an ancient story mythical story from way back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And myths are to be told, not read. So I'm going to tell you this story. You may have heard it before. Once upon a time, long, long ago, all the people of the earth were in one valley together. 
and they spoke one language, all the people of the earth. And they said to each other, come, since we are all one people, all living in one valley and all speaking one language, let us build a city here, a mighty city. And in the middle of the city, let's build a big tower that stretches all the way to heaven. And so all the people living in one place, speaking one language, got together and they built themselves a mighty city and built themselves this big tower. And God up in heaven saw it, saw all the people in one place, speaking one language, building this mighty city. And God said, if this is what they can do when they all speak one language and are all together in one place, united together, well, then who knows what will happen next? I'm going to go down there and mix things up. So God came down out of heaven and came down to the people and mixed up all their languages and scattered them to the ends of the earth. And that is why today we speak different languages, have different cultures, live all over the earth. The end. It's also a good story, isn't it? The lectionary gives us these two stories together. Because you can read them as problem and solution. So in Genesis, we have the problem. We got too big for our britches, all united as one. And so God came down and punished us by splitting us up. And all our differences and different languages, those are kind of a tragedy. But then Jesus comes and gives us the Holy Spirit and makes everything better by uniting us once more. We're all going to live happily ever after. Amen. Except that's not exactly how it works. But it is an understandable reading. It's even an intuitive reading, especially of the Genesis text. Because our differences, our diversity, does create difficulty, doesn't it? If we could just all get on the same page, it would be so much easier and better. Because our differences divide us. We have prayed here Sunday after Sunday for as long as I've been here. That we would be able to overcome the divisiveness in our political climate. Right? We pray this again and again. And our deadlock has real consequences for real people. It causes real suffering. Our differences and divisions are dangerous. And they're also just a hassle. When I want to plan something, I want everybody on the same page, and preferably my page. Because... If everybody has a different opinion about how something's going to go, and we have too many cooks in the kitchen, it's just a pain. Our differences and divisions can be a pain, and they can be deeply painful. In our families, our differences can divide us in ways that lead to estrangement and deep rifts that last for generations. Differences... And diversity doesn't always feel like a gift. We may say we celebrate diversity, but usually it's just within a pretty narrow band. 
Because differences and divisions are difficult and painful and dangerous, even. If we could all just get on the same page. Except that when we do that, some of our biggest mistakes have happened. When we all try to get unified and uniform and all on one page, well, that gets dangerous too. Totalitarianism and fascism both are movements that happen when we try to get everybody together, the same, united and uniform. Purity tests and ethnic cleansing and genocide. Those are the logical ends of where we go when we start trying to get everybody united and uniform. So maybe it's not quite as simple as it seems at first. You know, the Genesis story doesn't actually say that the differences are a punishment. It doesn't say that those divisions, that mixing up and scattering, is even a bad thing. It says there's cause and effect. We build a big tower and God comes and scatters us. But it doesn't say that those differences, that diversity, is a burden. And the Acts passage doesn't really fix things either. The Holy Spirit descends, and everyone just keeps speaking the same language. Cretans are still Cretans. Arabs are still Arabs. Romans are still Romans. Everyone is just as scattered as they were before. The only difference, and it's a big one, is that they understand each other. They hear each other and understand each other. So I've been wondering, is it possible that the scattering and the mixing up of languages and these differences aren't a tragedy, but a gift? Is that possible? The story from Genesis was first written when the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon. So the Babylonians defeated the Israelites and rounded up all the leaders of society and force-marched them hundreds of miles away to Babylon. And when they got to Babylon, they re-educated them. They taught them to think like and act like and be like Babylonians. This is how the Babylonians conquered the world, by forcing people to act like and be like and think like them. It's how they built a mighty empire. It reminds me of how we treated Native Americans in our own country. We rounded them up and put them in schools, re-education camps, made their culture illegal, wiped out their languages forced them to accommodate to the dominant culture. But the Israelites tell a story of a God who saves us 
from our impulse to make everyone the same. Who scatters us and gives us our own languages and our own cultures. Our differences, as difficult as they are, are a gift. Which is why our differences don't get fixed when the Holy Spirit comes. Everyone doesn't become the same. They remain who they are. The gift is not unity or uniformity, but understanding, which is its own kind of miracle. How often do we really understand another person? Politically, it's almost more than I can conceive of that we would genuinely understand each other across our differences. We might say, I mean, I see, I understand where they're coming from, but, and we don't really understand and we don't want to. But what if we did? Not erase our differences, but understand across them. Would we have more compassion for one another? More patience? More willingness to stay at the table and stay in the game with one another? If we understood. When we do understand each other, it becomes incredibly powerful. A source of beauty more than threat. Our congregation has been part of a set of interfaith conversations for nine years now. Over the course of those years, we've gathered with a couple other Christian communities and Temple Bethel, our local Jewish community. And in recent years, we've been joined by the Islamic Center on Bridgeport, our local mosque. In the first three or four years that we did this, we almost entirely talked about our similarities things that were the same in all of our traditions. We would read similar texts and talk about what we had in common. But then as the years wore on, our courage got a little stronger, our trust got a little deeper, and we began to talk about what's different. If you come to an interfaith conversation today, you will probably hear us discussing what's different between our traditions. Where do we diverge? And sometimes that has yielded conflict, for sure. But most of the time we go away with a sense of holy envy for the beauty of the other tradition. We go away thankful for the ways that others reveal another facet of the divine to us. We are beginning, beginning after nine years, to understand one another. Understanding is a lot slower and more powerful than uniformity or simple unity. In our closest relationships, our closest friendships or partnerings, it's only when we really get in deep that we begin to realize how different this person is from me. 
And it's only then that we can begin that intimate work of building understanding through those differences. In the story of Acts, that understanding happens in a flash, an instant. That is not how it usually happens for us, is it? It takes time and work. In the book of Acts, it happens in an instant, but then they spend the rest of the book kind of trying to catch up with that insight, figuring out how are we going to understand people who are a different ethnicity, who are a different religion, who express their gender differently, who are a different faith entirely. That is the work of the gospel. That is what we were born for as a church. Not to get everybody on the same page, by which we mean our page. Not to get everyone to believe the same or think the same. The work we were born for as a church is this kind of understanding and a tremendous celebration of our diversity, of the multiple ways, the manifold ways, that God's goodness is revealed in all of humanity, across language and culture and thought and way of life. This is what we were born for. Simply imagining it as a possibility changes us. It gives us hope. A sense that this could be possible. It's a beautiful dream, isn't it? May it be true. Amen.